Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, Thanksgiving is tomorrow, or by the time you guys are listening to this today. You know who I'm thankful for? Who are you thankful for, Anthony? The bird rights. <laughs> you beat me too. You beat me to this supreme evening of petty behavior, but I shall continue it. Those poor bastards have been so wrong about so many things. I'm here here's here's free idea for those guys. Thebirdwrongs.com. <laughs> I love bird wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so it was even better that they were up by like 13 to 15 because, you know, like they tweeted yesterday. And if you're wondering why we're picking on a New Orleans Pelicans SB Nation blog, it is because they were talking hot and spicy about the Lakers trade package and all of the guys that mm-hmm. were in the Lakers offer and whatnot and just being real. Like, go back and look at those if you're not familiar with them. I, I'm not Usually, you know, going to go after anyone who's not a Celtic, to be completely frank with you. But they have earned some degree of shit talk online. I tweeted at the end of the game, uh, you know, how much did that one sting? That's all, folks. Oh, so delicious that they felt like they were going to win that. And then because those are the worst games, right? When, like, your team just blows it in the fourth quarter. The jaws and- of victory. And Anthony Davis gets the game-winning steal and yeah. drops like, more points than anyone ever has in their return to their former team. Just like, ouch, just all around ouch. Well, we're going to talk about Anthony Davis scoring all those points. We're, we're basically, we're going to have some fun with this game. It's the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, the Lakers just won a game that is obviously fit, felt a lot bigger than it actually was. It's one of 82 or whatever. This felt a lot to me, especially the the... The aftermath of it. it when my, you you how how much younger than you is Tommy? Eight years. Eight years. So my little brother is about seven years, mm-hmm. and then I have another one that's even younger than that, thirteen years younger. And I remember when uh, both Andrew first made like the high school team. He thought he was hot shit, and he wanted to play me one on one after he played like his first. He made he made uh, JV his freshman year. And went through his first like JV practice, had a really good practice or something, and wanted to play me one-on-one and talked the whole time about how much he learned in JV practice and this and that and the other. And I smoked him. I had seven years on him. Back then, I was less round. And then it was even worse with Alex because yeah, I had 13 years on him. And I was in, in, in even better shape at the time. And after the game, my dad like asked me, after both those games, asked me, he's like, why are you talking so much? You beat your younger brother. And I said, because you have to match the shit talking after a game mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. If somebody talks as much shit as as all of Pelican's bloggers have been talking. And, and like you said, this dates back to even before tonight. This dates back oh, to way before tonight. This yeah. is this is when when the Lakers were the only team that was offering any kind of serious trade offer. And it was called, I believe, the gift that they use or that they used at the time was a dumpster 
that was literally on fire right next to like a building. And they said that was the Lakers offer compared to like Jason Tatum and a Sacramento Kings pick that was never offered and Tatum was never offered. Right. Uh, and, and when they got that wrong and then as soon as those guys traded for, were, were traded for Anthony Davis, you started getting the, well, you know, they actually might not be that bad kind of bullshit. And then you let you have that as the lead up to last night's game. And yeah, Yes, the Lakers just beat a team that probably will not be in the playoffs. The Lakers improved to 16-2. The Pelicans fall to 6-12. But fuck every single one of those people for all of the shit that they were talking. That's what this is all for. It it ain't just revenge season for LeBron, man. It's uh, us Laker fans are at our pettiest. And like, I don't think people realize the monster that they've (laughs) woken up. And and the thing is, is like, again, this is not unearned. I'm not going out and picking on people who ain't, you know, been talking mad amount of shit. But that's what comes with this. And if the Lakers lose a game to the Pelicans in a couple of months, you know, sure my, my, it's going to get quote tweeted by yeah. some Pelicans people and they're going to dance and have a little party. That's the game you That's play. This if you want to talk shit, if you want to talk shit, you got to be willing to get it, receive it back. And that's all this is. Yeah, it's it's all in good fun. I don't mean anything personally against any of these people. I've never met any of them personally. It's, a, it's not to that extent. I just laugh. Look, I'm going to take every opportunity that I can to call somebody else wrong whenever I get that opportunity. <laughs> given how often I get things wrong. Oh, uh, Lord knows they love to rub it in our faces. So. Yeah, yeah. So I want to, before we before we go to the second, uh, the, the second segment here, I do want to talk a little bit about Anthony Davis. How did you think he handled everything, all the noise surrounding this game? It was a weird game where they force-fed him, but they were also guarding him with really short and small people. And after the first four minutes or so when he settled in, he was actually pretty productive on a lot of those. He didn't really pass particularly well out of those uh, double teams and the soft doubles that they were throwing. But I thought all in all, he did a good job on the offensive end. He wasn't as good defensively for most of the night, but then made the game game saving play. So I thought all in all, you know, got out of there healthy, I think with the elbow, you know, had a little scare there at the end of the third quarter, but I I thought he did. Okay. What were your impressions of him? Yeah, I, I didn't think that, it was a matter of him handling the scene poorly. I thought the Lakers as a group handled it poorly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I thought just like the opening night when they were trying to force feed, you know, the post touches with either LeBron or either LeBron James to a fault. It was the same kind of thing where it wasn't a matter of either of those guys not being ready for that occasion, though. I don't I, if I remember correctly, James kind of shat the bed opening night. Um, Mm -hmm. in, in this game, it wasn't a matter of either of those guys, Davis, especially not being ready for that kind of a moment. I just thought they took themselves out of the game with the way that they were trying to build them up for that moment. And that was actually one of the things that I thought was going to happen. It's just, especially, oh man, when I heard the, the starting lineup that Gentry ran out there when like given how small it was i did get a little nervous because that's the type of group that the lakers would match up hunt to a fault yeah they they kind of bait you into it by doing that yeah yeah all right let's take a a quick second here when we come back we're going to have some more fun with it because 
that's that's about as much as criticism other than look I have stuff to say about Rajon Rondo I have stuff to say about JaVale McGee uh, but overall this was this was and, and then in general their approach to some of these games has kind of made me nervous but other than that I want to have fun and send you guys off into the long weekend uh, with a nice fun podcast so let's come back to that here in a second Boy, it sure is a. It's too bad that that Anthony Davis returned. Otherwise, you know, the the Pelicans would have. I, I guess they were happy to see Anthony Davis back until they weren't. Is how is how that fourth quarter went. I do want to talk about the Anthony Davis injury and the LeBron James injury. Uh, LeBron's. I think he got over his a lot quicker. Davis's looked a lot scarier as it happened. But I do think both of them, I don't think we're going to hear too much about it. Uh, they, they have, they're at home, so they get to fly home and use all the medical treatment here at home. I don't think either kind of bump or bruise is something that we're going to be hearing too much about moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm hoping so. This is part of AD. We say this all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a pretty a hardcore collision he had with Josh Hart for sure. I could see why that hurt, but it, it didn't look, you know, he did some range of motion stuff and he was fine. And he came back in at the normal time that he would. So he didn't miss any minutes in that game. I think we're fine. Yeah. I thought, I mean, it's hard to kind of show this on an audio format, but basically when Jen and I were watching it, if you watch just closely enough, he, instead of having, so, oh man, who was the guy? That I think it was Diallo in the OKC game where he fell backwards and kind of wrapped his elbow around uh, Mike Muscala when he was flailing backwards because LeBron hit him. Mm -hmm. And the angle that his arm took there was flush up against, like the movement there was going to hyperextend his elbow. But if you watch uh, closely, Davis's arm turns just enough so that it gives a little bend, more natural bend than just straight up overexerting and overextending that that elbow tendon. So got kind of yeah. lucky there with with how how that turned out. Um, let's let's talk. I I want to talk about the the relationship I think we're seeing between Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> okay. Uh, you made a point actually during during the game. That really stuck out to me, which is Rajon Rondo trying to set up the offense way too late in mm-hmm. an offensive possession. And in those on when when Rondo was out there, it's very rare that he has guys around him who create their own shot very well, other than A D. Those guys share the court usually. But like Kuzma is not going to be very successful in, in isolation. Uh either Troy Daniels or Quinn Cook, same kind of thing. And Kuzma, especially, I thought, in the minutes that he was out there with Rondo, looked incredibly lost. I'm not sure. Unless they really rethink the way that Kuzma is used when when he's out there with Rondo, I'm not sure that even that combination is going to work out very well this year. Yeah, that's an interesting point because you'd figure that Rondo would be the guy who's kind of a table setter, but he's a table setter in a very specific way in that I've talked about this before, how there are like two parts of a playbook. One is your after a whistle or after a timeout, Mm -hmm. right, where you run a set play where everything's really organized. That is 
Rondo's brain skews heavily in that direction. He wants, all right, you go there. You you always see him when you watch a game. Check this out. Yeah. If, if you're listening, like he's pointing, he's gesturing. You go there, you go do this and that, right? And that is part of how that is part of how it works. But there's another part of the playbook where you're playing by principle, right? right? And you are trying to uh, make reads in the moment and what happened on that particular play where I tweeted that out about Rondo was that the first action on the play didn't work. And there was like 10 seconds left, maybe 12 mm-hmm. in the shot clock. And now Rondo grabs the ball and kind of tucks it under like a football, you right. know, running back carrying it. And he's like, all right, you go here and that. And then it's like, all right, we got, he missed Kuzma twice on cuts. Yes. <laughs> and, and then it ends up being this like eight foot floater, like really the, biggest change in the game from Vogel's standpoint was the Caruso substitution for him. Like Caruso fit the personality of that game. We talk about the guards being like this whack-a-mole where one guy will work one night, but a different guy will work another night. This was very heavily a Caruso game. I think he scored one bucket the whole night. Um, And and that really helped. So yeah, it's a really interesting point about Kuzma and Rondo because Kuz is very instinctual. I'm going to cut here and he was open, right? He would have had twice. a layup on that twice. Um, and Rondo, that's not really what he's like. Yeah. Well, and, and I just think, so if you're going to have Rondo out there and that the way that he prefers to run his sets is on design rather than principle, I would rather, if that's the case, then d- design something for Kuzma to be in motion where Rondo is supposed to be looking for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, again, the, the the thing that we're always coming back to with Rondo and and you know this was the the a really clear showing of this where if you're going to play Rondo, you have to optimize the situation around him uh, in order for his minutes to not be outright disasters. And in this case, if you're going to have a pairing of Rajon Rondo and, and Kyle Kuzma out there together. You have to have Kuzma running plays by design that Rondo is on a better uh, has a better sightline towards, and and you can take advantage of what Kuzma's good at. Because what winds up happening, or what happened a lot in in this game was you had Kuzma just kind of floating and floating and floating, and he would be looking to make cuts, and he would make cuts, and he would be missed on those cuts, and then he would get the ball and and be told, okay, yeah, go get me a bucket. But that's not that's not his game. That's not how Kuzma's going to be effective. And then late in the fourth quarter or throughout the fourth quarter when Kuzma really turned things around, it was because he would be floating based on the way that the ball was moving, the whatever was being run on the opposite side, and he found open space and was allowed to just make a make a play off the catch and you saw a much better Kyle Kuzma in those minutes because that's how that's how you're supposed to be using him no you're spot on with that man uh any anything else here with the Caruso Rondo thing like how loud does this have to get do you think uh I I think Vogel is able to recognize it I, I think He's been mostly merit-based in his substitutions. Mm -hmm. I think that before certain games, he may be like, oh, I want to play Rondo 24 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I think this was a game that that seemed to be his preference based on his substitution pattern in the first half. Mm -hmm. And I think he adjusted in game to be like, oh, this isn't a Rondo game. We're going to pull him and go with Caruso. So what type of minutes bandwidth Rondo should have? Should that reduce overall? I do think that it should. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, 
And I do think games like this play toward that. So let's keep an eye on that yeah. in the upcoming games. Is like, do, do does Rondo go from 22 minutes to 16? Right. That would be indicative of something that kind of fits what we're talking about here. Right. And I think one really important development there was LeBron talking about Caruso after the game. Like, again, this all comes back to, yes, Vogel is, is making these final calls at the end of the day, especially as the game is going on. You know, uh, Vogel is, is in charge of substitution patterns and, and tweaking the rotation based on the way that the game is going. But... In planning four games going in, he does still have some convincing to do on some of these things. And if it is LeBron who, after the game, is saying Caruso can do everything for us, and even before the game, I wrote up that uh, Frank Vogel considers Caruso one of the team's uh, most important two-way players. So the more stuff like this you get going on, that the, the louder that stuff gets, the higher the likelihood gets that those minutes start getting tweaked as part of the game planning rather than having to adjust to that as the game is going on. No, I think that's a great point. All right, let's take a, another quick second here, and when we come back, we're going to uh, look ahead to the next game, and, and we'll play a little. We, we, we had some fun with the bird rights and stuff, but it is Thanksgiving. We are going to do the cliched, what are you thankful for with, with the Lakers, uh, or in general, um, and we'll come back to that here in a second. All right, so wrapping up the game here with uh, with the Lakers beating New Orleans in New Orleans, they sweep their four game series. They improved to sixteen and two on the season. Uh, LeBron James passed thirty three thousand career points in in the game, the fourth player ever to do that. Uh, I, we 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 talked about this in the last one, but I really don't think, and I, I actually think this stood out to me that. Once again, the Lakers were trying to get Anthony Davis going, but I think the Lakers are always going to go as LeBron James forces them to go. And I thought the the second half was a, a really clear example of that. Yeah, that's why, like, AD is, like, the best second option yeah. you could think of, but he is naturally a second option, mm-hmm. I think. And he's a big man. That, they have yeah, to be fed. A- that's the thing, right? Like he, he doesn't quite have the court vision and, and passing ability. He's got the ball handling. And that's why I would love for him to do some really intensive film work mm-hmm. over the course of the season and next summer. And, and to see if that can improve because he does have the ball handling ability, which most guys don't, but he is, is more dependent on LeBron and can play off of him. And there, like there were several plays, a few of which didn't work out where they ran a couple of two man game sets in the fourth quarter and AD had like deep inside position for an offensive rebound. JaVale knocked one of them away. Maybe that was in the third quarter. Uh, and then LeBron had hit the shot on a couple of other times when that happened. But like, those are the types of positions where you get like, Oh, I've got this monster on the perimeter with mm-hmm. LeBron. I got this monster to deal with inside. That's when it's going to be really tough for teams. Yeah. I, I I just think I seen we saw this last year with the Lakers and that was a a younger team and there wasn't another superstar there so it made perfect sense that the Lakers were going to match LeBron's energy level on a minute by minute basis not just game by game but a minute by minute basis and I thought heading into this year it was going to be interesting to watch that dynamic with Davis also there who's going to pick on pick up on whose energy and I I still really think at the end of the day here 
when LeBron goes into God mode, everybody around him seems to kick it up a notch. And what that does is it allows Davis to sink into, like you said, his more natural second option kind of role. And with a unit like the Lakers had out there where it was Caruso, KCP, was it Kuzma and LeBron and Davis out there? Green wasn't out there. Green had kind of an off game. Uh but with that kind of a unit out there, everybody just kind of sinks into more natural roles for themselves. And, you know, it's tough to ask of, ask this of LeBron 82 games out of the year. But the Lakers are going to go energy-wise where he takes them. And, you know, that's I, I don't think that's changing anytime soon. So, yes, I get why they wanted to force-feed Anthony Davis early in this one. But I think that takes away from the natural energy the ball can create when it isn't in LeBron's hands. No, I think you're right on point with it. What's going on tonight, man? You got all this, like, uh, you know, great on point X's and O's analysis. I even man, sent a good uh, tweet. Like, what the hell? a good tweet? Like, <laughs> is there hope for you? Uh, I've only had mm, two whiskeys. So I think we're. I think that's the the optimized level. Spot? Yeah, that's, that's the op- spot we got. <laughs> <laughs> we're like I feel it's a good sport. By the way, I, I'm just making fun. Man. <laughs> I feel I feel nice and warm, and and the brain just eases into points. And then I'm gonna have another one of these, and I'll fire off a few tweets that I regret immediately. It's gonna be all shit. Like after 11 p.m. tonight. Yeah. Okay, I, I can respect it. <laughs> all right, let's wrap up here with a little bit of fun. It is Thanksgiving, or it's the night before Thanksgiving when you and are recording this but it is thanksgiving by the time people are listening to this uh i know you already did this exercise with darius on on laker film room but what are you thankful for here either could be the the lakers your life whatever how are you what do you when when it's your turn to list what you're thankful for around the dinner table what are you going to talk about I mean, I'm going to just mention one thing on here and I know it's corny or whatever, but I really mean it like it's the fans, man. Like what a cool way to spend a life uh, to to work, (laughs) to enjoy Laker games. Like I feel like I'm on Twitter at the biggest Lakers bar in the whole world. Just talking shit with everybody on Mm -hmm. Twitter and we're laughing and like I was talking about the community and and I really treasure that. I hope everybody knows the degree to which I I do. So just like, man, like look at us, right? It's like the Paul Rudd gif, right? Look at us. Who who (laughs) thought? Not me. So thank you, you guys. I hope you all have a absolutely wonderful Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, I can say this. We 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 fired off the press release already, but the Locked On Network received our first bit of legitimate funding from from a group out there and, and a capital group, and and we're we're becoming legitimized. And uh, the network wouldn't be where it is right now without the success that the various shows have had. Locked On Lakers being one of the bigger ones among them, and Locked On Lakers wouldn't be where it is right now without your guys's. Actually, we, we you and Harrison and I, we all went out to lunch, and and before you got there, Harrison and I were just kind of laughing about. Okay, so first it was unnamed podcast X and then it was <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like the team tank podcast and then it became the Lakers lounge slash Lakers late night oh uh, I didn't know that one yeah it was that was that was a cool setup we had that was when uh, silver screen first hired me they want they hired me just to run their podcast stuff um, and then we had some you know we had some listeners follow us from there and then David contact contacted uh, Harrison and me to ask what we what our interest level 
level would be in this daily podcast. And we said, man, daily, what are we going to talk about on a daily basis with, sure. with the Lakers? And uh, from that point forward, it has been a legitimate dream come true. We, uh, I, I am able to have a kid and provide for my kid. My wife is probably going to be able to work part-time to help take care of this kid. Pete, you are this the head of this empire you know that that we all that we all we, we all are, are important parts of the Lakers uh, cinematic universe. Is, is Harrison? That's right. That, that was uh, yeah. We need to develop that that theory more. Maybe this is your bridge to get me into yeah. understanding all this stuff. <laughs> uh, but but like you said, Pete, it would we would literally not be where we are without the amount of support that we get on Twitter, uh, on iTunes through for for review questions, the listeners that are listening right now. So uh, yeah, the, it, there is no easier answer here. Let's talk about the. Lakers specifically is it just the presence of the Lakers <laughs> is it LeBron is it Anthony Davis what do you what are you thankful for there I mean there's so much to be thankful for but LeBron James man we're watching an all-time great just assert his will on mm-hmm. an NBA season it's early right there's a lot of work ahead are you talking and... about LeBron or Caruso <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I am <laughs> but getting to watch an all-time great do his thing man and especially this up close covering it and all that Really, really, really cool. Yeah. I mean, we, we headed into this year and we said the, the the most fascinating thing, not just regarding the Lakers, but maybe across the entire NBA was what might it look like if LeBron has a final haymaker to throw? Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out it's quite the haymaker. It, it sure is. It's pretty. It's real and it's spectacular. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to talk about Anthony Davis because it is pretty unique. To see a player as talented as he is, uh, as as just incredible as he and 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 somebody who is kind of arriving at a place in his career where he wants to carve out a legitimate platform for himself, uh, but despite that, be perfectly willing on any given night to take second fiddle or play second fiddle to to LeBron or. Just do whatever it takes to win a game, and you you look at that combination between LeBron and Anthony Davis, and this is a special team, man. This feels like a special year. Uh, I can't wait to continue to talk about it moving forward. Yeah, no, it's couldn't have said it any better. You're on a roll tonight. All right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop then while I'm on a roll. Uh, we are going to take Friday off. I'm going to spend uh, Thanksgiving with my family and stuff. Uh, so be safe. Please be safe. If you guys are driving to visit family, if you guys are are going out Friday night, or if you're going out tonight after you listen to this podcast, whatever it might be, please be safe. Travel safely. Have a great Thanksgiving holiday. And we'll be back to talk to you again on Monday. Have a good one, everybody.